Live. Live. Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. Just End the Suffering Podcast, featuring New York sports talk and long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Here for a recap the Super Bowl today. Really not a great game. Tim Bay Buccaneers win 31-9 Super Bowl champs over the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll be joined with a country tradition here on the podcast by Joe D'Aloisio, the host of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, in just a few minutes. We will break down the game. We'll do a little off-season preview as is tradition. That's coming with Joe in just a bit. We'll also dive into the pop culture aspects of the game. We'll talk about the halftime show, the commercials, with our pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rosa, later on in the show. A little bit, we'll sneak a little bit of WandaVision in there. Some good stuff happened in the last two episodes. We'll catch up on that. But, okay, I'll start with this week's opening tip, where i got to give my take on the Trevor Bauer situation and why it's not a heartbreaker for the mess that he, went, that he moved on and went somewhere else right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip here. Talking about the Mets. Talking about the Trevor Bauer situation. And the Mets missed out on him. He signed with the Dodgers. Less money in the Mets. The Mets end up falling off for here of three years. $110 million, opt-outs after years one and two, about $80 million first two years of the deal. The Dodgers, on the other hand, offer three years, 102, same opt-outs after year one and two, but offer $85 million first two years, so about $5 bucks more for the first year of the contract. Is it disappointing that the Mets didn't sign Bauer? Sure it is. He would have been a good help for the rotation, but the number two clearly behind Jacob DeGrom, pushed Carrasco and Stroman back. It would have been a lot better. The other issue you have here, and I think this is an important one here. It's not the end of the world, guys. He got paid an obscene amount of money for 11 great starts against bad offenses last year. The Mets do need more pitching. They currently have a very good rotation, though. Jacob DeGrom's still an ace. The Mets did not need an ace. Carlos Carrasco and Marcus Stroman find twos and threes. Noah Syndergaard's coming back. He has an ace-like potential when he's healthy. You got a good mix of guys in the back end. David Peterson, who had a good rookie year. Joey Lucchese. Jared Eikhoff, you probably got to add one more guy to that mix. Bauer's career RA for the record, 3.90. Since he came up in the big leagues, here are his ERAs by the year. 606, 529, 418, 455, 426, 419, 221 in 2018, 448. Obviously, last year's 173. If he goes back to the 390 career guy, that's a bad contract for the Mets to sign, especially when you have to pay Francisco Lindor to pay Michael Conforto. Giving Trevor Bauer $85 million for two years is a bad investment. Is there a chance he's figured it out? Sure, but you know what? It's not the end of the world they missed. You also have to wonder about him because he's very sensitive. He's got this big thing about has to be liked on Twitter and has to reach out to all these fans and try and be kooky. And what happens the first start in New York if he gives up four runs in five innings? He gets knocked out of the game and they're losing. He's getting booed. I don't know how he handles that. It's not something that you're looking forward to here. The Mets did not land any of the big three free agents. It's just a bit of an upset considering how the offseason's rumored to start. How we get two of the three. 
They made plays for all of them. That's a good thing because that was something that never would have happened in the old ownership. The Will Ponds would have told you on. We're exploring it. Like, we'll check in. Then they would have realized you want actual money, and then it would have said, too expensive for us, we'll pivot to plan B. The Mets also were willing to go past the luxury tax here. I know they said they don't want to unless they have to. Trevor Bauer was a guy they were willing to go over the mark, the threshold for, which means that when their opportunities to make the club really better, they're not going to let the tax hold them back. If I told you last year, at this time in the winter, when the Mets were having a miserable offseason, and said, hey, your new owner's going to be here, he's going to be worth $14 billion, He's going to trade for Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco. You're going to sign James McCann to catch. You're going to sign Trevor May. Marcus Stroman's coming back. And you're getting a bunch of quality depth guys. You would have signed for that in about 10 seconds. You would not have waited a minute for this. This is not the same old Mets. Very, very good team. Big still add to it. They're not the best in the National League against the Dodgers. They're in that mix below them with the Padres, the Braves, and them. Basically, that's the next tier. They could still have money. They still have money to add here. They could go, you know, they could say, you know, let's go get Justin Turner back. Let him play third base. Maybe they add another starting pitcher. Maybe they add more depth pieces like the Albert Armour move they did yesterday. They can also, you know, this is a shocker, people. You can make moves during the season. You can trade in during the year to upgrade spots if you need it. Maybe the Milwaukee Brewers fall out of this by July and they only dumped the last year and two months of Lorenzo Cain's contract. You have the everyday center field you don't have right now. Maybe the Cubs rabbit and say, you know what, Chris Bryant's going to walk. Let's trade him to the Mets for a prospect. The Mets also can use this money. They can sign guys long-term, like a Michael Conforto, like a Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor's contract, it's going to start with a three. It'll be $300 million. And you'd not make that trade to let him walk with a pick. They made that trade to sign him, and I'm sure that's getting done in spring training. The offseason has been very good so far. This could have been a great one, though. I mean, you could have had George Springer. That would have been nice. Could have added Trevor Bauer. That would have been cool. But they got a lot better. Stop the whining. They've had a very good offseason. This team was a on pace for a 70-something win team as they're constructing in the last season. They're mid to high 80s right now, the chance to get better for in-season moves. Sign me up for that right now. Up next, though, we're going to get ready for that dive into the big game. We'll talk about it with Joe Dowies right after this call from the big game, courtesy of CBS Sports' Jim Nance and Tony Romo. That's a second drive. Now it's tough to stop again. Brady, play action. Looking. Third option. End zone. Punt! Gronkowski again with the touchdown. Hold on. There's a flag. Watch Gronk. They're going to hold, right? This team holds a lot. But he's so big. He's just going to push off, and that's the guy in this game. That's troublesome if you're Kansas City and see that laser. All right, we are back here on the podcast. Talk about the Super Bowl 55. Right back our run of football podcast in the month of January, early February. The game sucked, but as it's tradition on the podcast, joining me today to recap the, the Super Bowl, the host of the Sharp Chatter podcast, the great Joe Dalizio is here. Joe, how are you? Mike, I am doing well. Thank you so much, as always, for having me on the podcast. You know, I love being here. Yeah, I love having you on here. It's kind of a tradition that we recap Super Bowls, and unfortunately, two or three that we've done have not been good. Yeah, it's been a dud. Maybe it's because I keep being the guest for the post-Super Bowl episode. Maybe we've got to switch that up, get some more positive juju on the Just End the Suffering podcast. Maybe it's me. I'll take the blame. I am not blaming you, because last year we had a good game. I'm blaming CBS, because both of the games that suck were on their network. Well, that may have played an impact. That happens to be a coincidence. I'm not going to bash CBS here, but um, you may be onto something. Maybe Tony Romo's unlucky. Maybe he shouldn't be near the Super Bowl. 
perhaps. Yeah, because both of his – this is also the first time that Romo is – the two games that Romo has done so far. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm kind of over the whole Tony Romo in the booth thing. I think it was really cool and awesome to hear him when he first started. Now it's kind of gotten outplayed. I'm tired of him trying to outsmart, anticipate the next play. Yeah. The analysis is in groundbreaking. I could do it without Romo. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty crazy. I do think with the Romo situation, I think – for me, I got to focus on this actual brackets a lot more because I don't know about you. My Super Bowl experience is basically honestly, the first time I've watched the game at home in about 13 years. How about you? Yeah, my uh, Super Bowl experience, game day experience, as you, many like to call it, was uh, obviously very different this time around. Uh, very quiet. Spent it at home with my dad. Um, it was kind of... The, okay, here's the one thing I did like about the low-key... Uh, not a lot of people having Super Bowl parties, et cetera. Um, I was able to place an order for food the morning up. Now, granted, it was just two people. I'm not ordering a lot. But, you know, I was able to get, you know, 30 wings and some other apps um, in time. And I, I placed that order early in the morning. And, you know, typically that's not something that you're able to do on a, uh, under normal circumstances. Yeah, that's definitely nice to be able to do that. And I think the other thing that was interesting for me is, like, I had talked to a friend after the game about this. He said, honestly, like, got the party experience. Like, the Super Bowl did not really feel like the Super Bowl. Like, this, you know, like a Monday Night Football game with extra food. Yeah, I, I actually, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, I also found myself checking in and out of the game a lot more. Um, it could be because the game sucked um, and it was so lopsided, but... I don't know. It felt like I was able to get off the couch way more than I would have any other Super Bowl year. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I was definitely drifting at points, especially once that game started to get out of hand in the second half. And I think for what they had to deal with the second crappy Super Bowl they had in a row, CBS did a pretty good job with the broadcast. Yeah, broadcast-wise, I thought it was great. Um, I thought graphic-wise, it was great. Very sleek design. Um, It wasn't distracting at all. And that's my thing. Like, sometimes... We get so caught up in the technology that exists and what you can do graphic-wise. Um, and I, I'm glad it was a, a, a sleek, non-distracting uh, viewpoint. I also think, you know, everyone now is taking a book out of Fox's broadcast in terms of the close-up and the high-definition or whatever you want to call it, um, close-up shot that looks phenomenal and as if you were wearing VR glasses and you're on the field, basically. I mean, I could, I wish I could watch an entire game from that view. Yeah, that'd be hell expensive, but really cool. I think that'd be amazing. Like, imagine even just like a, a, a sideline camera that was on that, on, on that feed an entire time. and You could watch it in that view vantage point. I think that'd be pretty sick. That would be too. And one thing that was not pretty sick was this game. There were a lot of issues with it. I want to start with the officiating because I did no, don't know about you, but I felt like, yes, the Chiefs lost the game, not because of the rest, but they certainly didn't help with some of those calls they're making in the second quarter. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think the officiating was horrible. Um, it seemed very lopsided, lopsided. But um, like you just mentioned, the Chiefs didn't lose that game because of the officials. Um, they were awful. And we're not used to seeing this offense. Actually, we've never seen this offense not score a touchdown under Patrick Mahomes. You know, this is a great example of it doesn't matter how talented you are, right? There's no doubt in my mind, in your mind, if you know anything about the game, Patrick Mahomes is a stud. He's a superstar, right? 
Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't have an offensive line that could protect you, it doesn't matter how talented you are, you're not going to win the game. And, and that was the difference here. The fact that Tampa Bay was able to put so much pressure on Mahomes that it, it seemed like he was running for his life every single play. So, I mean, yeah, the officiating sucked. It was terrible. But at the same time, man, the Chiefs did not help themselves one bit. Yeah, the Chiefs also could not stop guys like Rob Gronkowski or got, like some of the underneath targets that Tom Brady had. They were just moving up and down the field pretty much at will in that second drive. They put themselves in such a hole the way that the defenses on Tampa was playing and combined with Mahomes having the toe injuries, limited mobility a bit. That definitely hurt. And let's and let's be honest. I mean, it's not like Tom Brady did anything spectacular, but he managed the game. He managed the game. He relied on. He didn't make turnovers. He didn't make mistakes. The defense did all the dirty work, but, you know, it was a good mix of pass and run for the Buccaneers. I was able to get them down the field relatively easy. Yeah, I agree with that. I think also the key to that game, as you mentioned, obviously the Tampa Bay defense, who the first time they played back in Week 12, Tyreek Hill was just still running for touchdowns in that game. He's still wide open in that game, but they made a big adjustment here. They shut him down. The offensive line took advantage of the two tackles being out and just went after Mahomes. What a game player, Todd Bowles. Oh, it, it was it was phenomenal. Um, like you said, he made the he made the adjustments, and he did everything in his power to make sure that Patrick Mahomes was uncomfortable. And, and that's the best way of describing um, his game on on Sunday night. And you know, the crazy part is, you watch Patrick Mahomes run around, right? And there were still times where he got the ball off, threw it off his black foot. Where man. It hit his own guys in the face, and they couldn't make plays. And if they make plays there, I mean, this game could have been a lot different. And then you, you, you know, if you're Todd Bowles in that defense, you're 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 sitting there with your hands up, saying, you know, there's not much I could we could do at this point. But Todd Bowles really coached his team up. And I know a lot of people are giving are you know posing the question, you know, um, about Todd Bowles and the possibility of him becoming a head coach again sooner rather than later. But to me, it's like, I, I don't understand. I think there's a negative notion around guys who are just great coordinators who aren't great coaches. I mean, I don't think, you know, Todd Bowles is a great defensive guy, a defensive guru. Why do we need to force the narrative that Todd Bowles should get a coaching opportunity, a head coaching opportunity? I mean, yeah, we saw what he was with the Jets. And I mean, say what it is, the Jets are the Jets. Maybe in a different situation, he'll be a better head coach. But why leave something if you're great at it? And I think Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator, and he really coaches team up uh, to, to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, but it was at the same time, you're seeing a lot of coaches who who are not, like, as accomplished coordinators, getting, like, second shots. Like, Adam Gates got a second shot at the Jets he shouldn't have. His, Todd Bowles, you can say, oh, he went back to be a coordinator, like, he honed some skills under Bruce Arians and, you know, maybe the Jets weren't the right fit for him. And I think like if you're a team like the Chargers has to deal with Patrick Mahomes twice a year, you just made a, a higher. I know you love uh, Brandon Staley, but you probably just sit there and at least think in the back of your mind, like maybe we should have waited and give Ty Bowles more consideration for this job. I mean, I don't think teams are not waiting and putting having that thought in the back of their mind. But also on the flip side, we, what, what is Todd Bowles' situation? Do we know that? Does the guy even want to be a head coach again? Maybe Maybe he's satisfied with what he is and what he's doing. And, you know, again, he is, he is satisfied with being a great defensive coordinator. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, the hot hire, and I say that in parentheses because you can't see me right now, or 
you know, the, the coach that everybody wanted is who? Is the enemy. Allegedly. Okay. And now, and now what, what is that conversation like after what we just saw? Yeah, well, there was other reasons to be anyway. I guess I'm getting higher too. I don't want to relitigate those right now. I think for me, I want to talk about where this game really like turned the corner here, where we went from something that was COVID competitive to where Tampa Bay's took complete control. I think for me, I don't know if you agree with this, that drive right before the half, which is Romo always, you know, I'm not a big fan, did say that was the backbreaker at the time, which he gets credit for because the drive where they had Kansas City kick pinning all those penalties, a couple of questionable, a couple of warrant. They have the touchdown to Antonio Brown. They get the touchdown right before the half. Like that's where the game sort of gets away from the Chiefs. So that's a great point. Um, I'll take it a step further. I think the beginning of the second half was a turning point. Uh, at that point, it's 21-6. KC starts the second half with the ball. Um, a touchdown on that first drive changes the way that this game is played. Could possibly change the outcome of this game. Right? Pretty simple. But, again, they settled for three. Um what happens, the ensuing drive for the Bucks, they score a touchdown. Uh, and I think that touchdown really cemented this game, saying, you know, quite frankly, the Chiefs kept settling for three and having and couldn't punch it in, and Brady and company were scoring touchdowns. Yeah, that was those are definitely backbreakers, and I think it's definitely a key point to that game. And basically, really is not much more to it. I think, obviously, the next question is, obviously, what this does for Tom Brady's legacy, because we heard edge of the year, oh, He's see how he does without Bill, and Bill has played his role as the architect of that team. And this year, I know it's one year, but strong point in the Brady column. Belichick's going seven and nine, missing the playoffs. And Tom Brady goes to a new team in the middle of a pandemic, wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, honestly, though, I don't think this does anything for Brady's legacy. I mean, maybe it cements him as the greatest ever. If you didn't already think he was the greatest ever, but I think he already earned that with six titles. I mean, a seven just adds to it. Uh, like you noted, I think if anything, this is more of a born again moment for Tom Brady, like a fresh start his first year without Belichick. And he's able to prove to everybody like, hey, it was me. It was not Bill. Yeah, I think that was definitely a thing that's definitely a motivating factor for him because we saw what happened to Bill because like the Patriots just couldn't get out of their own way points this year. They missed the playoffs miserably. But Tom Brady, like I think the thing, it's also the stats are jump out. He's obviously like. He, on his own now, has won more Super Bowls than any franchise in the league, which is incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And the, the thing that's even more incredible is, like, when is it going to stop? When is he going to slow down? I mean, here's a guy who threw 50 touchdowns this season. Yeah. 40 in the regular season, 10 in the postseason. I mean, it's unbelievable what this, what he's accomplished and what he continues to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in 20, I want to say 2013, he said, I want to play on 45, we all laugh, and now he's two years away from him, and you say, he might play on 50. And not for nothing, I mean, he really, when he was at the podium last night, had no problem answering, oh, we'll be back next year. Yeah, like, he's, because he's, unlike some of the other guys, I feel like he just loves to play football, and, like, he's, like, do, doing, like, 150%, whatever it takes, make sure he can still play football. That I, and you know what, and you know, more power to him. You know, I don't, do I have Brady fatigue? Yes, but that doesn't mean I don't respect the athlete and the competitor and the winner that he is. There's a big difference. There's a lot of people who are just tired of seeing him winning and want him gone. Um, and then there's, there's people that, you know, just respect everything that he's doing. And he, he's, he's the ultimate competitor in my mind. Yeah. And as right now, they've won. They're going to have some sort of probably social distance parade. 
We'll see next year. What do you think happens? Can they repeat? Why not? Yep. If Tom Brady's coming back, why not? Yep. I think the answer is that simple. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure if there's other players, veterans in the league, um, I don't know what the cap situation is, so I can't speak about that for the Buccaneers. But how many of these older guys, Gronk, Antonio Brown, LaShawn McCoy, Leonard Fournette, like they wanted rings. They went they went to Tampa Bay and they got it done. You don't think more people would kind of want to take a, le- a few dollars less to have that opportunity to compete? Uh, I think I think it could happen. Why not? Yeah, I think the only thing to argue against is that it's just so hard to do. I mean, we've gone 20, almost 20 years without having a repeat champion. That would be my biggest argument against it. Yeah, well, if there's one person who knows how to repeat as a champion, it's Tom Brady. He's done it before. Yeah, he's he, the last one to do it. Yeah, he is the last one to do it. And it's been, it's, I still can't believe it's been that long. I was so convinced the Chiefs were going to do it. Because I think in our pick a palooza on the, on the podcast thing, I think 15 to 17 people picked up Chiefs to win. And I was not in that group. I did too. So 16 to 18. Yeah, you know what? Like, I go back to when I and I and I said this on the Sharp Cheddar podcast. My heart says Patrick Mahomes because I want to see, I want to see something new. I mean, that's just the fan in me. But my gut said Tom Brady, and the fact that they weren't even favored, they're essentially the home team. I mean, they they're playing in their home stadium. It's Tom Brady. It's number number seven if he wins. It's tenth overall. Like. Man, that's just so, such disrespect for, for a guy at his level that I can guarantee that that was one of his, one of his driving factors and you know wanting this one so bad. Yeah, I agree. Let's. I think it's enough of the big game. There's not much to discuss here. Let's go to some other fun stuff. We'll talk a little bit of the off season here. Let's start out with the locals here, the Jets and the Giants. So start with the Giants. They had more success this year. They were a Eagles lie down away from potentially getting to the playoffs. What do you think the offseason priority is for the Giants? Um, for the Giants, I think it's just keep building that offensive line. Um, I think that's number one. I also think it's um, very important to surround Daniel Jones with some talent and really figure it out what you're going to do with this young quarterback. Right? If if you if you think he's the one give him something and let him prove that he's the one, right? If not, then maybe you start looking towards that quarterback situation. I wouldn't. All right. I would really start building the offensive line, protecting him. I think the easiest way to tell if you have a quarterback or not, give him a good offensive line that can protect him. You're protected and you can't make the throws in the NFL while being protected. You're not going to be a good NFL quarterback. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the Jets, you and I probably agree on this, is fairly just figure out what the hell you're doing at quarterback. I feel like that's got to be the priority for them. I mean, yeah, honestly, it, the priority is just figure it out. Yeah. You, have a new, you have a new coach. It's a new start. Um, you have a ton of potential to add a ton of talent, whether it be via the draft or via free agency. Like, there's no excuses at this point, right? You, you, you have an opportunity to make a play at quarterback, whether it's in the draft or via trade. You got to figure out what the future is. Like, it, this is the time to figure it out. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think let's have a little fun now. Let's go a little rapid fire here. I want to use the pick music one last time this year because it's going to be on hiatus until September after this. So you're feeling good for some rapid fire stuff on the offseason. I am feeling good. I can't I can't promise that I'll be right on any of this stuff. Okay, so let's no promises on this. We're not telling you to go bet on these. Please don't. No, 
do not. But let's let's have some fun. Let's put get some NFL pick music in here for one final time, and we will talk about. We got to start here. We got to start with the quarterback carousel. Already started this year. Matt Stafford getting traded to the from the Lions to the Rams. Let's take a look here at some other guys. Where is Carson Wentz next year? The Chicago Bears. Overpay. Oh, absolutely. They one hundred percent overpay. Yeah. I mean, and also I could see, I could see them taking Wentz and then still stink, and they they'll still stink. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Jameis Winston, where is he playing? Um, I think he leaves New Orleans, and they ride with Taysom Hill. I could maybe see Jameis in like a Washington situation, backing up Alex Smith. Interesting. What about Jimmy G? You think, I'm sure he's getting moved. Where do you think he's going? I think he's going back to where he belongs in New England with Bill Belichick. I think that one makes a lot of sense. I think strongly about that as well. Sam Darnold, is he still on the Jets or he's somewhere else? Personally, I think the Jets should keep him. I don't think they will, which is why I believe he ends up in a place like Pittsburgh and eventually replacing Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I think he's a goner, too, once they get the right price. I think my spot for him is Indianapolis. I know they loved him during the draft process. I think that's a spot he lands. Yeah, I think I could see that, too. That's a good one. Is Deshaun Watson traded yes or no? Yes. Where? To the New York Jets. Here is your opportunity for the Jets to rewrite your franchise. You know you know what it's going to take. You make the move. This is This is franchise changing right here. You can't mess this one up. Yeah, I think the only question for me is if the Texans move him and what kind of trade it is. Because for me, it's like if it's pick-based, the Jets can't be top because they have number two. They have extra picks they can deal from. But if it's player-based, they're in trouble. I think it'll be heavily pick-based. Yeah. Was that what you, don't often see, you don't often see players getting moved. Yeah, that's also true. We will see what happens there. Where is Allen Robinson signing? He's the best free agent receiver on the board. Allen Robinson ends up wherever Deshaun Watson ends up, in my opinion. And I say the New York Jets. I would sign for that right now. I think you should. Why not? I think if he's not a Jet and Watson stays put, I think he's going to Indy. That's my other prediction. Yeah, I could I could, I could, could see that. Okay. The draft now. Are we having the virtual draft number two, or are we actually having some people go to Cleveland? I think we're going to have a mixed-mode draft up. Uh, potentially mostly virtual, but there will be some in-person components. I could see that. Maybe, you know, day one in Cleveland, then days two and three virtually. Yeah, I think that's the safe bet. Yeah, and they'll probably limit the crowds and wear masks and all that good stuff. Of course, I yeah. hope. All right, so if the Jets don't end up trading for Deshaun Watson, they're picking it two, what are they doing? So do they have Watson or not? No, they couldn't make a trade. Then they, they, they dress the quarterback. You have an idea which one? I feel like I had no, I thought they would lean towards Zach Wilson. Uh, I think they lean Zach Wilson. I don't think Zach Wilson is the guy though that you want to draft. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold on Zach Wilson. Now, if they trade for Deshaun Watson, they sign Allen Robinson. I keep building. Yeah, and I add Devontae Smith, and you got a powerful offense. Yeah, well, if they trade for Deshaun Watson, that two pick is not there. They're probably picking like either like late first or early second. Of, of course, of yeah. course. Uh, with that being said, though, if even if they they don't trade for Watson, 
I really still take a close look at Devontae Smith. I think Sam Darnold still needs an opportunity. Will it happen? Probably not. If they don't trade, they're going for a quarterback. Yeah. About the Giants picking at number 11 here. Where do you think they're going? I think they stay offensive line. I think they take the big boy out of Oregon and Sewell, and they work from there. I think he's gone with that point. I think you're looking at whichever receiver makes it to the Giants 11 is the one they take. Potentially. I've seen a lot of mock drafts that have them potentially getting a tight end. I think that would be a monumental mistake. Kyle Pitts is special, though, and Evan Engram is not, like, super, superstar material. Let me tell you, if you're picking a tight end that early, he better be like Travis Kelsey or better. Yeah. Do we have preseason games next season, yes or no? I hope so. I mean, listen, I hate preseason, but it felt so weird not having it. Yeah. So I'm hoping by, you know, maybe you don't have four, but you have two at least. I think we're getting the three in the 17-game schedule. That's my call. I hope you're right. And give me a sleeper team or two for next season. Somebody who is a little under right. the radar, did not make the playoffs, possibly could have a bigger year next year. All right, so this one didn't make the playoffs. L.A. Chargers. I think Justin Herbert definitely looked the part. He's a, he's a potential franchise quarterback. He looked great. Um, and as long as you have that first piece, the quarterback, that's the most important piece. Obviously, they need some help on the offensive line, but if they can address that, I think this team can make some noise. They have a lot of talented players on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that's a good one. I You stole that right out from under me. I was going to take the Chargers, but I'll go. I'll stay in the state. I'll go with the 49er. I feel like they just had so much bad luck with the injuries last year. They got to be healthier, and when they were healthy last year, they went to the Super Bowl. So, give me the Niners. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it really, de- I really it depends on what that quarterback situation is. Yeah. I'm expecting them to make an up, try and get an upgrade there. But even still, Jimmy G was was very good the year on the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, for sure. And as in terms of a playoff team, um, that can be even better if the Colts figure out the quarterback situation. Watch out. Yeah, that's true. I do love their chance that they can get that quarterback room figured out. But that's a good spot to sort of get ready for the off season. I think it was a good run this year in, in the Super Bowl. And props to the NFL for managing to get all the games in without one cancellation for COVID. I'm just already depressed that, uh, you know, I got to wait how long until the next football game? Uh, probably after Labor Day. Uh, it's just way too far. Real ones, not the uh, preseason. I think you have to wait till August. I mean, sign me up. I, I'm, I'm, I've been diving into the mock drafts since, um, since the Packers have exited the playoffs. So I, I just, I need my football fix. I can't help it. Yeah, I, I can't either, especially – I'm probably shifting into college basketball mode soon, but even then, like, try just try to get into the tournament without like all these COVID issues is a mess. Yeah, and it's going to be so weird when some teams play 20 games and some teams play 12. It's just a it's just a disaster. But March Madness is is a fun time. Yeah, I can't wait for that, Joe. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, people find on social media. You know some of the stuff you're up to. All right, yeah, Mike, of course, first, you know, anytime, you know, you could always uh, count on me. Just give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore. Don't forget the double. Do not forget the double, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And my podcast, Sharp Cheddar Podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Just search Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Yeah, I saw you had, uh, Sonny, we we, both, we had John Dostrevsky back-to-back weeks. I have him on my podcast, you have him on yours. Uh, JJ is a very good buddy of mine. Love having him on the podcast. Uh, you know, he brings the energy. He knows the game, and he knows the lines. And if you listen to him on on the podcast, I mean, you would have won a lot of good money. Yeah, JJ talked to me about some betting the week before. He he has some good advice in there. Oh, without a doubt.
without a doubt. He knows what he's talking about. So if you don't follow JJ, get on board. Yeah, you got to get on board. Joe, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Mike, anytime you have my number, I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Yeah, probably talk to you around the draft too as well, but you always do that. Hey, hey, you know I'm available. Yeah. One more thing. What was your favorite commercial in Super Bowl yesterday? Um, honestly, jeez, uh, man, that was tough. I thought the commercials were weak. They were pretty bad. Did you say they were pretty bad or they weren't? They were. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think I like the the State Farm commercial with Drake. Yeah, that that was good. I, I'll play my favorite before we go into the next segment here where we do the pop culture halftime show Super Bowl commercial recap with Sandra. It's another tradition of this epi- post-Super Bowl episode. Right after my favorite, which is was the Tide commercial with Jason Alexander's sweatshirt. That was my favorite. Very good one also. Underrated, I thought. Hey, you have to wash Jason Alexander hoodie. It looks clean to me. Is it, though? You owe Jason Alexander Hoodie an apology. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Hey, that's my face. You can't just wear my face. My mom told me to say I'm sorry. Give me back my face. All right, we are back here. Just heard my favorite commercial of the Super Bowl, the Tide Jason Alexander ad. I love that commercial. It was so funny. Joining us today on the podcast are, as part of the halftime tradition of the, of the show, halftime Super Bowls, pop culture correspondent Sandra Rose here. Sam, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> doing good. The game sucked, but I think our half of the show will be more fun. Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. So I was talking to Joe Dalizio earlier. The game stunk, and he also said, talking about it, he's like, you know what, like, the commercials didn't stick me this year. I didn't remember much of them. I mean, Joe's got a serious point there. Yeah, I think he does. And before we get into the commercials and the halftime, like, what do you think about the game? Because the game itself I did not find very entertaining. No, especially when those people who did boxes this year, the same person won, like, what, two to three times? Yeah, you had one nine in the third and fourth quarter, you cleaned up. Exactly, and that makes everybody else irrationally angry. Yeah, yeah. Also, I feel like the Jaguars fan, you must have mixed feelings seeing Leonard Fournette and Blaine Gabbert and Byron Leftwich all in Super Bowl rings. Oh my God! <laughs> I was like, when he when Leonard Fournette was got all the all his airtime kind of deal. Yeah, I'm like Leonard Fournette. I'm so yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. like every time. But I feel like I'm a different Jaguars fan than your usual. Yeah. I have more like love to pass Jaguars uh, players than most. More empathy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just thought of that because I saw Blaine Gabbert on the sidelines like getting the ring. I'm like, boy, he's had a good life now where he's just been backing up for a bunch of teams and now he's Tom Brady's back and gets a Super Bowl ring for doing nothing all year. Good life. Exactly. But, you know, I like Leonard Fournette. I've liked him for a couple years now. And I just was happy to see him win. You know what I mean? Because that's what he wanted, honestly. Yeah. He was did not enjoy being on the Jaguars. Yeah, he didn't. And now he gets his ring. 
They're off in the offseason. Before we move on from football, we got to talk about the stuff we always do, the halftime show, the commercials. And this year, halftime show was the weekend. And I have to say, very, very odd visual look of this halftime show. Yes, but I feel like he was going for a Michael Jackson-esque performance. Yeah. I don't know if that was just me taking away some yeah. vibes or what. I just noticed that because, like, he did all signs of, like, crazy things. It's, like, all of his guys with the bandages. We had the tunnel inside where we had, the thing, the moment for a million memes where you see him rooking around for about three seconds. That's been used all over Twitter today. And I love that. <laughs> my, my favorite one was, I think, I saw somebody on, like, a Met fan pose, like, Jacob DeGrom looking for runs. Like, that was a great representation of him. And I think also, I, I got to give points on the curve here for this, like, COVID, you know, the usual halftime, you have the big stage in the middle of the field. You got all the fans down there. You have a million dancers doing whatever you want. Like, given the restrictions he probably had to deal with to keep it safe, I think he did a very cool job with it. I think so, too. I mean, and also he used the field to his advantage yeah. towards the end, which was interesting. I wasn't, like, blown away by the whole thing, but, I mean, I – got to give props to the memes out there you gotta love social media at its finest uh but i didn't hate it i didn't love it but i didn't hate it either yeah i will also give him respect for the fact that he sunk seven million dollars of his own money into this show to get the look exactly how he wanted which i'm like props to you as an artist man like you have a vision you're sticking to it good job yeah i mean i wish i had seven million to like splurge on anything but that's just you know that's just me I think the thing that killed it for me, I don't know if you agree with this, the audio mixing on the show was god-awful because he has a decent catalog of songs. I could not hear a word he was saying for most of the show. I know. And, like, I know this is going to sound bad off the bat and whatever. I'm just going to blow past my inhibitions right now. But, like, it's Tampa. Yeah. Like, what kind of stuff does Tampa put on for you? It's Florida, and it's Tampa. Like, you know, any Rays game, Buccaneers game, they don't have, like, the best anything for... Hey, the Bucks fire cannons when they score touchdowns in the regular season. That's your something. Exactly. Like, you, you if that to the weekend, there's no way that the weekend can make this, like, grade-A performance with anything in freaking Tampa Bay. I think in terms of a grade, though, I'm going to give him a C, because I think the visuals was an A, because I feel like what he had to deal with and going on the curve, he did a great job, but the, the sound was an F, so it just brings it right to the middle for a C. That's so funny because, like, the whole thing just to me was, like, C, middle ground. I even gave him some points for just being in COVID. Like, I wasn't blown away. I wasn't, like, super disappointed. I was like, eh, he's here. There's no way he's beating Shakira and J-Lo from last year. Like, oh, no. No way. There's, like, absolutely nothing he could have done. Nothing he could have done to, like, be at that level. Yeah, I mean, he put, a, he put a good effort out there. He tried. He did not have – he was let down by his audio team, which, I mean, is people who have worked at production. I'm sitting there when it starts. I'm like, oh, no. They're probably freaking out in the truck about how to fix this, and they can't. <laughs> you Because especially because you've had that firsthand. Yes. I've had, it, like, for, no. I've had it firsthand where, you know, like, you can't hear an announcer, and, like, you're like, that's not good. Like, you need to be able to hear him, especially when it's on live television because you don't have – you can't just fix it in post. He is one shot, and you you blew it. Exactly. This is like the it's it is the big game, and nothing came from it. Nothing came from it. I think too bad for him. He's clearly worse than last year. 
What do you think about compared to the, the first disaster we covered, the uh, big boy Travis Scott halftime? Like, how bad was the comparison to that? I mean, honestly, like, I feel like I will remember, you know, the weekend more than Travis Scott, you know, yep. in a weird way. Like, I don't know. I thought that the beginning was interesting and it was an eye opener in comparison. But, you know, ask me again next year and he might be on the same level, to be honest. I put the weekend higher because we got a viral meme out of this show. We did not that get is- anything like that out of the out of the, out of the show in, uh, in Atlanta a couple of years ago. That's very true. I just love all the meat. I don't know. This is why we still have the internet. I yes. honestly think is for memes. Yeah, indeed. And what do you think next year should be? Where should we go for the show next year? Uh, I don't know, but it has to go back to something awesome like JLo Shakira. Yeah. So it honestly could be anything. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in 2021 because, yeah. you know, 2020 was so crazy. So 2021 is probably going to exceed that. So it's going to be something. I feel like it's going to be multi-collaboration. I'm yeah. hoping that everybody gets their vaccine. You know, I'm not trying to yeah. push anything on anyone, but we'll be able to have more than one artist there. I'll push it. And you, if you have a chance to get the COVID shot, go get it and help us like reopen our society. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to get that flack on me, you know. I'll take the hit for that one. I'll just say <laughs> that there. And I think also next year's Super Bowl is in LA out in SoFi Stadium with the Rams and the Chargers building. And it's a very nice building. So you think they're going for a big, big, big star. Sort of fill that out and say here, like you have the biggest stage, you got a nice full building of fans and you get, they're going to pull all the stops next year. Exactly that, and you know, LA is more accessible to more artists. Yeah, I I feel like this. I know I've been pounding the Taylor Swift train for a couple of years with the getter on the halftime show. I don't think that's the right spot for her in LA. No, we don't need Taylor Swift for a super time halftime show. Sorry, Stanko, but no. No, like she. This would have been a good year for her though. She's kind of, she had two albums. I guess, but like the, her albums didn't really scream football. You know, it's yeah. more relaxed and. and you know, introspective. Yeah. I gotta say, I, I hope we get a trend better here because last year was the exception. I mean, we had this one. We've had Coldplay a couple of years back. You know, the Travis Scott big boy one. Like, there have been a lot of letdowns the last couple of years at halftime. You know, it's probably just Janet Jackson's fault and Justin Timberlake's. That's the reason why we have crappy halftime shows. Well, I mean, to be fair, they did start going after Janet Jackson to, like, the old, the old school rock group. So you had, like, the big joke with the four and a half the Paul McCartney with the joke that like, oh, he, he showed like he showed part of his chest. That was the big storyline. And then we had like, we had Bruce, we had the who, we had Prince singing Purple Rain in the Range is still the all time number one for me in terms of halftime performances. Yeah, but before her, we had relevant, modern, like, you know, kind of crazy, you know, for the 2000s yeah. at least, crazy artists. Yeah. So, like, what if that never happened? What would our Super time, Super Bowl halftime show be like today? Well, they I mean, they've had modern people. They had Beyonce. They had Bruno Mars. They had Lady. They had Katy Perry. Lady Gaga did one. So, they've had their fair share of modern people since. So, like, after, like, so, like, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, like, after, like, the big sting of who they are, it's kind of, like, a couple years after their, like, craziness. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, where everyone's like, oh, my God, Lady Gaga. Oh, my God, Katy Perry. You know what I mean? Yeah, Bruno's the only one where they kind of got him on the way up. That's true. But Bruno Mars has been around for forever. Yeah, but like I feel like he went on another strategy after he won the Super Bowl. I can agree. I won't disagree with that because I like Bruno Mars. Nobody should disagree with him. No, like he won me over with that Super Bowl. I was like kind of met on him. Now I'm like a big Bruno guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Now let's get to the the meat here, which is the commercials. And I do think a very mixed bag is like there were times I was watching this game. I was like, forget. I was just like kind of drifting out there in the commercial. No, because I wasn't at a party and I wasn't like talking to a million people and seeing what was funny. But like there were not a lot that popped. No. And, and it's funny enough, like I was at work yesterday. Yeah. A fun fact for everyone who does not know, I work at a bar on the weekends and it was absolutely dead where I got to sit down and watch it. And yeah. I literally was just kind of bored the entire game. Yeah, I think it was, there's just a couple of good ones, some really, really bad ones, which I'll get to. And I think in terms of the grade for the com- plot of commercial, I think this is worse than last year's, I think. I think last year's was better. Mm-hmm. I I think, honestly, C-, minus maybe. Yeah, I don't think it deserves anything more than a C. And funny enough, like, I don't know if this is just me thinking of it, the good commercials came at the same time. Yeah. They came in, like, batches, and then, like, it was just a small little area, and the rest kind of sucked. Yeah, because I feel like they came out hot, and then, like, I could barely remember anything after halftime. No, I honestly cannot tell you any commercials that happen after halftime. The only, one, honest. the only one I remember after halftime was the Ashton Kutcher Mila Kunis Cheetos commercial. That's the only reason I remember it, because I saw like a, I saw it featured in an in a preview special a couple days before it, and otherwise I would completely missed it. Yeah, because that's what you like are looking out for. Yeah, I think so. So, like, what was your favorite commercial this year? I don't know why. I just have, like, a weird spot for Will Ferrell. Yeah. So, like, for funny, I thought that was funny because I find him funny. That's, like, kind of like a like little actress at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's just Sam. But I really did, as much as I hate DoorDash, I'm just going to put that out there right now. Like, do not enjoy DoorDash just for personal reasons. I work at a bar. That means that we're going to uh, rush. It also, it also wasn't a DoorDash ad. It was, a G, it was for, for GMC ad for cars. The, the, um, the, the Sesame Street one? No, I'm talking about Will, Will Ferrell's ad was Norway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I have issues with my brain. I jump yeah. from thing to thing. But so I love Will, like Will Ferrell, right? Yeah. But I love the Sesame Street one and yeah. I hate DoorDash. I had to make sure I said that because DoorDash steals money from restaurants. But I like the Sesame Street ad for DoorDash. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty clever. The Will Ferrell one I also love because it was such a good, good concept. He let him just show off his funniness, just making fun of Norway. And good yeah. job. And good job bringing Keenan Thomas and Aquafina to, to fill the group out. Yeah, I mean, like, Keenan Thompson has been part of our lives for literally our entire lives. Yeah, I, I mean, he was funny, too. He's dressed up like a pirate, and he's like, can I say bye my kid? No, we have to leave right now. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's like, all right, he's closed the door, and they're just driving to Norway. Yeah, oh, my God. And then the best was the end. It's like, where are you? Oh, I'm in Norway. No, you're in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, before we get to the worst ads, I want to touch on some other ones. I think... I remember last year we had some fun with the Jason Momoa ad where he was like ripping off his muscles. I saw the Matthew McConaughey Doritos 3D ad. I'm like, who watched this commercial? And uh, the Momoa one last year said, you know, that's a great idea. We got to do our own version of this. Oh, I hated that commercial. I'm like, why, Matthew McConaughey? Are you not getting work? Is there no money coming your way? Why? I mean, he's McConaughey. He should be making plenty of dough just on residuals. Right? Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought that one was definitely weird. Although I will say the gag of him like like turning 3D inside the vending machine was funny. Uh, It was funny. I just was like disturbed by it. You know me from last year. I yeah. did not enjoy the Jason Moma commercial either. Yeah. It was just like one of those things you were like, ugh, too, too much. 
definitely. It's something unnatural when you see like, these people just turn themselves into cartoon characters. Yeah, I was like, why is he 2D? And, like, of course, I illegally, I'm not going to say where I work. If you do know where I work, do not mention it. It's a chain, so, it's a, it's a, it's a chain restaurant. I won't name which one it is. Thank you, thank you. That's, that's all you get. Because um, it's technically illegal or against the rules to put, like, volume on the TV. Yeah. But, of course, I'm going to put volume on the TV for the Super Bowl. So yeah. I was watching that, and I was, like, very, like, verbally disgusted by that commercial. Yeah, that one was not great. No, it was not. I'm very upset by it. And I love Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Did you know what Joe's favorite commercial was? I asked him earlier what his favorite ad was. And it was? It was Drake from State Farm. Ah, uh, that was a good one. I liked that one. That was cute. Yeah, I do have that one on the soundboard here, so we're going to go to that for a second. This is Drake from State Farm. Hey, Ratchets, look! I'm you! <laughs> Drake from State Farm. You couldn't find a standard that looked anything like me? Have you seen mine? It's like looking in a mirror, right? <laughs> now that one makes sense. Look, guys, I don't even have a stand-in. Of course you do. Hold on. Is that Drake? That's right. Drake from State Farm. Like, like a, a good, good neighbor. neighbor. Like, like a, a good neighbor. neighbor. Stand-ins don't have lines. Oh, okay. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, so good job there. I think that was a clever usage of Drake. It made the, the joke fits, and great job getting Paul Rudd in there is Patrick Mahomes' stand-in. <laughs> You know my love for uh, Paul Rudd and my celebrity. He's the only celebrity yeah, yeah, yeah. I've honestly made contact with. So anything Paul Rudd, Sam loves. Yeah, yeah, and Paul Rudd's a big Kansas City sports guy. It makes sense why he got himself in that commercial. That's true, though. It's it's just funny when they're like, it makes sense. Like when he says that, it's yeah. so funny. Yeah, it does, and it, I always love when they bring back the Rogers guy. That's I love when they bring him into the commercials. Oh my god, so funny. Yeah. And a tight 30 seconds of that one. So good job, State Farm. Oh, yeah. I didn't, it was like an actually like well creative. Yeah. It was a funny, like, you know, not too serious yeah. commercial. Yeah. Another one I liked, I also thought was funny, was the whole ad for the Bud Light ad. Speaking of Paul Rudd, we had our parody of Avengers Endgame where we had all the Bud Light ads in the past coming through portals to help a delivery truck could overturn. I thought that was very clever. That was, I remember you warned me that this was going to happen. I was very wary about it, but I thought it was so well done. And they brought in so many of the characters I forgot about over the years. It was really enjoyable. There was a lot of people, like, there was a lot of characters. And I thought that was, like, probably the best of them they could do. Like, instead of just taking, like, one to, like, five, they took, like, what, 10, 12? They sound like at least, like, 15 to 20 different ads they, they pull from. Yeah. Even they had the little football, like beer bottles, the football helmets helping out. I love that. Yeah, they went back a really long time. I had that one pulled as well if you'd like to hear that. Oh, 100%. All right, so let's go to the Bud Light Legends ad. Where's the Bud Light? It's missing. What a mess. Medieval people. Post Malone? Cedric. Dr. Galagos? Yes, I am. All right, Bud Light legends. Let's do this. That's Bud Light. Hey, sing it, real man of genius singer. That's kind of all I do. Go on, guys. Going up. I loved you, man. All right, let's get out of here. 
Oh, the Bud Light's back. Nice. The Bud Light Legend saved the day. First of all, great job getting the Bud Light real man of genius guy back. I loved him. Right? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I also have a fun fact about that ad that I think you will find interesting. I'm very ready for it. Yeah. A uh, friend of the podcast, also part of the pop culture team, Alan Austin, used to be an actor back in the day. And he texted me after this ad aired. He said that, like, you know the woman in the beginning who, like, is looking in the case of the Bud Light? He actually yeah. went to acting classes with her. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So shout out to Alan Austin and his friend who was in the Bud Light commercial. That's so cool. What yeah. a small world, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was a fun fact. I wanted to give that out to the audience. That was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> it was a, definitely a fun one. I did enjoy that. I think I was also confused by all the Paramount Plus ads. There were so many of them. There was. Although, admittedly, I did not know that Paramount Plus was coming out with the streaming service. This, this is, or Paramount. Well, here's a little spoiler for you guys who are not in the know about the streaming services, about the Paramount Plus. So I'm going to give you guys a little like teaser here. It's not a new thing. It's basically a rebrand of CBS All Access. Is it really? That's all it is. No way. It's literally just they're rebranding CBS All Access as Paramount Plus to try and get into the into the more people subscribe to it. Because it will have more movies? They've been adding the content. They just haven't announced it. So like they just made it look like a big deal. Like, ooh, we got all this stuff now. We got all these Star Trek shows. We have all the SpongeBob. We have, like all of these CBS products, like, it's all there already. They're just rebranding. Well, you had me at SpongeBob, yep. so. <laughs> because the SpongeBob movie was supposed to be in theaters last year it got pulled for because of COVID. It's going to be on that service March 4th when the, when the date launches. Okay. I did not know that. I did not do my research. Yes, yeah, so like, that's something I, that, like, it's a little inside baseball here. They were, they sunk a lot of money in those ads to get, the, to get that out there. Yeah, I mean, like. There were five of them at least. Yeah, there were so many. And plus, like, um, I don't know if we're going to be discussing this in a little bit. The Reddit one, they talked about how expensive it yeah. was. Yeah, it's $5.5 million for a 30-second spot. Yeah, Un insane. Even to, like, COVID standards, yeah. somebody still don't have that money. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know that feeling. I also <laughs> think one, one more, I think, that was in the winner's column, the M&M spot, where they were, make, they were making fun of all the – <laughs> all the things like the Karens oh, and, and like the bad gender reveal parties, like all those, like all those random things where people are like, sorry, not sorry. I love those. I love that one. That was so funny. I love when people can just like poke fun at our current culture. It's great. Yeah. I did. I pulled that one as well. If you'd like to hear it. 100%. Like I said, I love hearing commercials. They make me laugh. Yeah. So let's go to the Eminem Super Bowl ad. I feel bad for kicking your seat on purpose. I'm sorry for mansplaining. That's when a man... I know what it is. We should have just told you it's a boy. <laughs> I wish you didn't have to hear all that. Sorry I called you Karen. That's my name. Sorry your name is Karen. I promise I will not eat any more of your friends. Really? Okay, it might happen one more time. Yes, I thought that one was clever. I thought so, too. I thought it was funny. I love that my name is Karen. <laughs> yeah. And then she gets a second bag of Eminem to apologize for being named Karen. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think it's – I just – I'm on the Karen thing because I'm still thinking about Death of 2020 when Chris when Chris Milioli played a Karen. That was so funny. 
Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. I think that one is good. I also thought they did a good job with some of the feel-good ads they had throughout the throughout the program, especially a lot of those popped up around halftime. And I think, I think the one Ford day was the one stuck out to me. Oh really? Mine yeah. was Toyota. Funny enough. Yeah, those were, those two were both very very touching ads. I did enjoy enjoy those. Yeah, and then Jeeps was weird. Jeeps was a little out there. Like I get it was like good like middle ground, but I'm just like okay, like halfway through I'm like I'm uncomfortable. I kind of want to change the channel. Yeah, yeah, I think that was definitely a problem. I also thought surprising lack of trailers this year. There's only three I caught. Yeah, there was a few. Yeah, there was the M Night Shyamalan movie, which I don't know if I like if I want to watch it or not. Me neither. Falcon Winter Soldier looks pretty good. Yes. <laughs> I, for- I already forgot what the third trailer is so. That does to tell you. I mean, honestly, me too. Yeah. Let's go the other way. What was the worst ad of the Super Bowl for you? Worst ad was, I guess, the Oatly one was weird. I'm glad you went there. I have that. I have that one. I had to, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh boy. But then they gave away free t-shirts. Yeah. I mean, let's go to Oatly. Yeah. It's like milk. For humans, it's like milk, but made for humans. Wow, wow, no cow, no, 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 wow, wow, no cow, no, 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 wow, wow. I want to point this out here. This ad cost five and a half million dollars. <laughs> they put their CEO it. in a cornfield playing the keyboard, singing awfully. Although, wow, <laughs> oh, like low cal does yeah. make me a little happy. Yeah. It's still so cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah. They paid five and a half million dollars to do that. They can probably thank TikTok for making like oat-based milk a thing this year i mean again like you and i could go we could recreate this right now we could just put a camera in a cornfield we could just do this for about 10 percent, like maybe 1.1.01 percent of the cost of this ad it might mm-hmm. be better quality we do have the way for the snow to melt but other than that definitely i mean that's one of those you're just sitting there you're just like scratching your head and you're just sitting there just going what the hell? Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Oh, my God. Hearing him it's... sing is not going to want to get oat milk. I'm glad we're on the same page, though. Yeah. It was clear, because I said, remember I told you this, I'm like, we have to rip this guy. This is awful. Yeah. That, but although he said, had they had free, I'm very upset because I tried to get it, a free t-shirt. Because who doesn't want free t-shirts, Mike? I don't want their free t-shirts. I want free t-shirts from anywhere I can get free t-shirts from. I'm not supporting Oatly. I'm sorry. Yeah, funny enough, um, I had oat milk a few times. Very high in sugar. I don't know about Oatly. I don't want to come against their product or anything, but... I thought we couldn't sink lower than the Mint Mobile's curdled milk, but this guy might have done it. No, 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 no. That curdled milk stuff does not sit well in my mind still. So, yeah. no, curdled milk still, then oat milk. Yeah, you're taking oat... You're- I mean, in terms of the ad, I'd rather have that than Oatly guy. Ugh, no, I just can't do the curdled milk. It's still, ugh, yeah. I just do not feel well after hearing that word. 
I mean, not not for nothing, too. You could say a lot of money has paid some teen on TikTok to do a better version of this. Definitely. I don't know. Maybe they would charge more money than the CEO. That's yeah. probably why they have the CEO do it. Yeah, but, like, how much is, like, I'm sure, like, somebody's, like, 13-year-old sister could, like, make a TikTok video. This is much better than the, oh, that guy did. While doing, like, the Renegade or whatever yeah. is yeah. popular on TikTok right now. Yeah, so, like, they could have made this so much more fun than they did. Definitely. But I guess... Whoever decided to sign the check decided that this is the best version. Yeah, I got two more dishonorable mentions here. Number one, okay. I, I think the Hellman's Mayo ad. When we're talking about all that you could make with mayo, I do not want to see chocolate cake on the table. Oh, uh, no. Also, like, Amy Schumer, no offense, like, she's just so out right now. Yeah. Like, I don't care if that's a hot take. I just, like... Amy Schumer, Schumer was cool in whatever movie she was in with Bill Hader, but all I remember is Bill Hader. That was five years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what the hell has she been doing? Like that one cooking show? Yeah, I don't know. But like, it almost reminds me of last year when they did Old Town Road in a Super Bowl ad about like six months after it was out of date. Yeah, exactly. And then it was like, what, a three-part commercial? Yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculous. The other I, one I did not, I didn't, gotta give it down great to, was the one at halftime of the, uh, cure insurance ad or whatever it was when they had the four office workers like talk basically making lewd jokes and substituting opinion for the male nedger region yeah i kind of just totally until you said that again, i blocked that out of my mind i didn't even enjoy that at all i'll shout alan austin out again because he said and again his former actor he texted me during the game he's like hey like i feel bad for those four actors who end up signing up to be in that commercial it's like, i know you money off of it it's like i know you want to be on you need to make money and you can be in a super bowl commercial but like now you're gonna be stuck with the rep that you were in that ad yeah you know i said that was i basically texted him my response was that's a full four oofer one for each actor in the commercial oh those poor guys i hope they do well yeah i mean like i don't want to be putting that in my reel if i'm an actor Hey, I mean, if it had a lot of views, maybe. We don't know. I don't know how things work anymore. Yeah, that's not – that was a swing and a miss from Cure. Yeah. All right, I think that, I think that about sums up the, the, the uh, commercials. So before we wrap – Sadly enough, right? Yeah, that's it. There's nothing there. Yeah. No, there. it wasn't really anything to, like, talk about, honestly. No, there is nothing. That's, that's all there was. There's not a lot of meat in the bone this year in the commercials. Sadly. Yeah. Well, I guess I heard some – a lot of the companies were donating money – yeah. For COVID relief. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, a little access on what the freaking Tampa yeah. Bay Stadium looked like. Nobody with masks on. But yeah. I that's a different discussion for another time. <laughs> yeah, I, I do miss, like, I feel like they also miss it. They could have had more of the feel-good ads. Like, those would have hit more. Yeah, because I feel like the only one I felt like anything for was that Toyota. Because yeah, still one of my favorite ads in recent years is the one where Anthony Lynn from the Chargers, like, was, like, meeting the firefighters who saved his life. Like that one, yeah. like that one still like, like tugs my heartstrings years later watching it. Yeah. yeah. I mean like this year with the paraplegic uh, Olympic swimmer, yeah. her being adopted, like that was cute. Like that was like, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. But then like watching it, like I watched it, I had to watch it again. Cause like when I was watching it on TV, I was like, whatever about it. But watching it back, it had more of a meaning to me. Yeah, and before we go, I do want to take a minute. We'll dive into WandaVision again. You down for this? I am so happy to be wrong about a television show, Mike. So I will talk about WandaVision for forever. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get into the mood here a little bit. So 
great Marvel time talking WandaVision. And it's not something I was planning to do, but the events of the last two episodes made this one. I want to catch up and get a little check in here because there's too much going on. So good. Yeah. I'm uh, so good. It's really incredible. And I will give you one more spoiler warning. You're not caught up on WandaVision because there's going to be a very big spoiler if you're not about like five seconds. All right, you've been warned. If you've not watched through episode four and five of WandaVision, get the hell out and go watch it. And I have to say, I can't wait any longer. We got X-Men Quicksilver. Yes, we did. We got him. I was so excited. Oh, my God. And there, this show does go weird places. This is one thing I did not see coming at all. Like, when he... I, like, no, I didn't see this at all. Like, <laughs> I had, like, my, like... Maybe, um, what's-his-face, like... Aaron Taylor. Uh, when they said Pietro, I was like, oh, they brought Aaron Taylor Johnson back. Cool. Yeah. I was like, wow, maybe it's just a figment of her imagination. But then it was like Quicksilver. I was like, oh, shit, the mutants are back. Yeah, and it's Evan, Evan Peters' version of Quicksilver from the recent X-Men movies. And I love that version of Quicksilver, so I was excited to see him. But I did mouth WTF on, on the screen when they cut to him. Yes, I decided, okay, I have a weird work, uh, like sleep schedule. Yeah. So I normally wake up at like 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock. I was like, oh, okay, it's Friday morning at 5.30 in the morning. Let's watch WandaVision. So I watched that. And then I was like so wired because I normally can watch an episode and fall back asleep. I was so wired. I did not fall asleep at all. I was so excited. Yeah, a hell of a pull there to get him in the show. He's apparently the series regular, so he's be there for the, probably the rest of the way. I hope, I really hope so. It was a whole new can of worms, though, with Quicksilver, because, like, we know that now Marvel has Fox, so they have all of the X-Men back, they had the Fantastic Four back, so this gave you a sign. I feel like they're going to kind of get the X-Men going here on this show. Yeah, I mean, did you see that they were like, we're going to have, like, a Luke, because, like, of the Mandalorian, we had yeah. that Luke moment. Yeah. So, like, everyone's thinking, like, oh, maybe Quicksilver, like, this is his moment, you yeah. know, whatever. But, like, everyone's also, like, forecasting maybe Magneto. Yeah, that would be a help. Yeah, again, because in the comics, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are Magneto's children. So yeah, that's a that's a pull. And it sounds like episodes four and five, we saw four was great because we got to see what's going on in the actual world and not the Wanda world. We got to see Monica Rambo come back from the dead. We got to see... The return of Jimmy Woo. We learned the card trick from Ant Man after all those years, <laughs> and we got Cat Darcy too. Yep, Cat Dangs is Darcy the first time since like 2012. I love her. Yeah. I love her so much. Yeah, and the dynamic between her and Jimmy Woo is great. I oh love it. Oh my god, definitely. Because they feel like they're just like two like they're just basically like two dorks who are just like so like in love with what's going on around them. Like this is so cool. Yes, and yeah. then, like, I don't know if you were ever an Office fan, yeah. but, like, the whole, oh, my God, Jim Halpert's yeah. on a freaking WandaVision, and it, it, that stuff just makes me hysterical laugh. Yeah, we've learned some things. We've learned that, first of all, this is not in Wanda's head. It's actually all happening in real life in a town called Westview that mm-hmm. Wanda apparently was taking over, and she has used the town's focus actors. We found IDs for most of them, not for Agnes or, I don't think Dottie was ID'd either, but. Mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting that now we also had the moment last episode where she comes out of the force field, like in the full Avengers garb and basically like, don't cut me, don't mess with my home, like leave me alone. And like, 
Yeah. And we got the Magneto homage from the first X-Men movie when she flips all the guns back on the, on the sword soldiers, which I thought was a pretty cool homage. That was so sick. I yeah. didn't like, you know, you have, I watched it over twice because yeah. I was like, I definitely did not get everything I needed to understand at five 30 in the morning. Yeah. So Saturday morning, I was like rewatching it and it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love all that stuff. Good things here. I think it's pretty clear we are that we have been given some version of the infamous comic storyline, the house of M for, mm-hmm. for, for those who are unaware. I don't know how aware you are of it, but like the, Basically, the gist of House of M is that Wanda basically has a mental break, like, like creates his own alternate reality, sort of, like, high from her grief. And she basically, in the comics, like, wipes out the mutants because she basically says no more mutants, and then all the mutants go away. We could yeah. get, we might be getting an inversion of that here because now we got Quicksilver bringing in, so maybe it's this version, we're creating the mutants, and that's how we get the X-Men in the MCU. That, yeah, I was thinking that too, and I'm just thinking, like, Oh, there's just so many possibilities yeah. with this show that they can like branch off of. Like they have like this perfect, like, you know, unit to just, we can go in this direction or that direction. So I'm just, I'm, uh, you know, me, the skeptic. Yeah. I'm nervous. Yeah. I feel like they have got so many balls in the air. I think there's mm-hmm. a couple of things that still I'm intrigued by. It's is we got some hints last episode about like, Vision picking up what's going on. And we also learned that Wanda actually did steal Vision's corpse from a sword facility and is apparently reanimated inside the inside the Westview bubble. Yeah, but did you see that, like, there's some theories that it, she wasn't herself then? Yeah. Like, she wasn't really aware what she was doing, slash sword was the yeah. one. Yeah. Doing these things, like, tests on him to yeah. make him a weapon. Yeah. Yeah, that's also that's also a big theory. And then also, um... Well, God, there's just oh, there's just so many things with Agatha being yeah, there's you a, know what I mean. There's yeah. just so many possibilities. It's just so great. I love it. Yeah, let's go to Agnes for a second here because mm-hmm. Agnes we don't have a name on. Vision quickly points out this week that like she always seems to show up with what we need when we need it, and yeah. we had this whole line where she basically sees the hint what's going on when she says to Wanda like, "Do you want me to take that from the top?" Because that was awesome. I, I love that line. I feel like this is like them trying to misdirect, make us think that Wanda's in charge. There's a possibility mm-hmm. that Agnes actually is the one running this whole thing and using Wanda to sort of get a, out of it, something out of this. I don't know what yet, but I think Agnes is the puppet master here. Yeah, or Mephisto or, Mephisto or whatever yeah. his name is, yeah. the, like the devil-esque yeah. character. He could be in charge, and everyone's saying that that might be like in the version of Dottie. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, just so many, like, there's so many theories. I just love, I just love it. Yeah, I've, ex- I mean, Institute of Agnes, I think I cracked the commercials. This week, I think I got enough information. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm very excited for this. Okay, so we've, we had our fourth commercials week. It was Lagos Paper Towels. And as you pointed out to me off the air, and I'm something I realized through listening to podcasts and whatnot about this show, Lagos is the site from Captain America Civil War where she loses control of her powers and explodes a building and kills a bunch of people. Let me go back to what we had so far. Episode when we had a Stark product. Obviously, you had the Tony Stark shell that basically killed her parents and left them, like, her and Pietro, like, fearing for their lives. So, two, we have the Hydra product, which, again, like, Hydra right, basically turns her into a weapon. Episode three was Strucker, who is the general who, who basically experimented on her. All these are tied to Wanda in one way or another. 
Mm-hmm. So I feel like we are getting hints about Wanda along as we go. I feel like the future ones, they're going to start keep going along her storylines and then maybe give us a hint about how we got here. I feel like that's where we're going with Wanda and the commercials. Yeah. Also, like, oh, I just, I don't know. It's just, oh, where is it going to go after that, though? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like we, we're going through her storylines. They were going to the future afterwards. They're going to get more of, like, what, Maybe they're going to tease us about some stuff that could be happening and we haven't been shown on the screen yet. Yeah, and then this week's supposed to be the 90s yeah. for the sitcom. We need to get Full House in the 90s. Oh, my God. Well, they have, they were saying that the 80s was kind of full housey with the sitting outdoors and having, like, the picnic. Well, that was I, – I think that was one – the grassy knoll is not enough for me. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, who knows what they're going to do, but – my favorite all-time favorite thing is like I didn't notice this at the beginning. I had to rewatch these episodes. Vision, and after every episode, he looks at the camera. Yeah, and he breaks the fourth wall because he understands he's like something's wrong. And I thought that was so brilliant that he we have these like it's so quick. It's like me looking away and then me looking close and then looking away, yeah. like split second, and. Somebody pointed it out online, and I was like, oh, my God. So it's just like he's becoming more aware of everything. And we saw this week with him taking what's-his-face's, like, conscience and bringing it back to reality. Norm. Yeah, Norm. Yeah. I'm so I'm horrible with names. So I could give you – I could draw his face for you, but yeah. I can't tell you his name. But um, I, I thought I think this narration is amazing. Yeah, I think it's that's an interesting point. I also want to see what happens with Vision because I know we've seen previews where he wants to try and leave Westview. I feel like we have to we have to find out like what happens if he leaves the bubble. Like, is he still alive when he leaves, or does he die as soon as he walk, gets out of Westview? Like, remember when we saw his dead corpse? Yeah, that was that's, last week. Who? Oh my god, that's so disturbing. It's one of the creepiest things that they've seen on a Marvel product so far. This is a dark show. Yeah, because it do because like, as much as they disguise it in the sitcoms and the like, homages, like there's a lot of grief baked into the show. I mean, I literally got in an argument with my coworkers yesterday about WandaVision because yeah. like the first two episodes suck. I was like, the first episode is freaking amazing. Yeah. Yes. I love the first episode. That one with Deborah Jo Rupp. Yeah. With Kim Chogi. I know we discussed this earlier, but holy crap, like that was amazing. It was very dark. It's like points of the show gets so dark. Like this week two, episode five, when the puppy dies and they have to teach the kids about grief. I'm like, this is like such a like it's very it's like a very eighties thing, a very special episode where they like have all those 80s sitcoms had those things where they're dealing with, oh, like so and so like so-and-so got hit by a drunk driver or dad has a drug problem or Timmy has issues like like with, with dyslexia or something like that. They did a lot of those like, after-school specials in the 80s. Yeah, and it's interesting that they age up yeah. when they can't handle something. Yeah. So, like, are they going to be next week? You know, like, they're, I know they're probably going to be teenagers because yeah. we've had previews, but are they going to be Wanda's age and then she's going to have to wipe them out? Yeah. I just, like, I don't even know. This is, like... It's nice that I don't know, and I'm very excited for every week. And it's nice that this show has brought back, like, an once-a-week thing instead of the binge-watching that we're all used to after yeah. Netflix and, you know, you know, certain things come out all at once. Yeah. We can just watch things week by week. Yeah. I think Mando saved the weekly. I think this is sort of this building on that. I think, yeah. I think if Mando, like, the Mandalorian didn't do well for shit, we wouldn't have WandaVision 
going. In this kind of same streaming aspect, we would have it in a binge watching aspect. Yeah, because you think For about you think about the Mandalorian here, like Baby O would not become as big a cult hit if he was if he was a binge thing. It would have been always cute, but then every week he had something new with him, whether it was like one week he's stopping a force rhino, the next week he's drinking a cup of soup, and like you have so many <laughs> moments that you just not that you miss out when you're trying to race through the show and be caught up. Yes, I'm very excited. Uh, side note, uh, my calendar is Baby Yoda, is Mandalorian, but yep. mostly Baby Yoda focused. Yep. And next month, our birthday month, is uh, Baby Grogu with the soup. Oh, that's a good one. Very excited. I'll send you a picture when we hit March. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. And I do look forward to getting through the next four episodes of this show. So I'm sure we'll touch back again after the finale and just sort of figure out exactly what happened. I'm so sad that there's only four episodes left. Yeah, but then there's Marvel shows the rest of the year. So it's like, because you have a... Winter Soldier? Oh my God, I'm so excited. Two... I love Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Yeah. I love him. You got two-week break between Falcon and Winter Soldier, and there's supposed to be the Loki show. There's the animated one, What If. There's a whole slew of them coming. So wait, when's uh, when's Loki coming out, though? After Falcon Winter Soldier. So I think yeah. in May is what I've been hearing. And is that a movie or a television show? That's a TV show. The next movie is Black Widow in May. That's, okay, gotcha. I always get the mix up. I always feel like Loki would be a movie for some reason. No, I, I've heard theories online that they Loki is being timed out to drop after Black Widow for specific re- plot reasons. Gotcha. So I like like WandaVision is this big turning point for the MCU. Yeah, because funny enough, it was not supposed to be at first. Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to be at first. So I think they got lucky that they, they aired it the way they did. Yeah, I feel like maybe that the um, Falcon Winter Soldier will be more like traditional, cinematic yeah, than like you know than big ideas and introducing different people to the universe. Yeah, so that's a that's a little like we're gonna put a pin in that, save that for the future. And Sam, thanks for all the time. There. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm sorry I get too interested in uh, Marvel. You know what I mean? I hear that. Before I let you out, how people find social media? Like, want to keep up some of the stuff you're up to. We can find me on uh, Twitter at S-D-R-O-S-6 on Twitter, like I said. Or you can find me, honestly, anywhere. Google Sam DeRosa. I'm the one who looks blonde, who is now brunette in these uh, YouTube Zoom meetings. And not the singer. Not the singer. She actually has dark hair. Now I'm kind of regretting everything that I just did with my hair. (laughs) All right, Sam. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. All right, and that will do for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Joe D'Aloisio, for hopping on the podcast to recap the big game, get ready for the NFL offseason. Also, our pop culture correspondent, Sam DeRosa. We broke down the halftime show commercials, all the fun stuff as well. If you want to work on stuff like this podcast, including my review of the latest ESPN 30 for 30, the Al Davis versus the NFL, and boy, they took a choice. They took a direction that I did not think it worked. Check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. Go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering on any of those podcast platforms. You'll find all the old episodes there. Feel free for feedback and star ratings as well. It'll make this podcast even better going forward. You can also follow me on YouTube, Mike Phillips' YouTube channel. That's the name of it. Search for Mike Phillips on YouTube. All the individual conversations from the episodes are up there, so my chats with Joe and Sam will both be up on the YouTube channel this week. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. And we now begin the push into the NFL offseason. Long time to get football back, but there are other sports to cover. We're going to get into the world of hockey next week. We're joined by Pete Casadori, break down the NHL starts of the year. Also going to do a season one look at the Clone Wars coming up then. 
Dann habe ich aber wieder einen Cheese-Bands. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.